0: Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast.
1: This episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by the Locker Room app. Guys, it is an exciting brand new app that I just, I'm very privileged to be a part of. I have a live show on it, Club 34-7. Bears Talk Underground presents Club 34-7 every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock Eastern. And the app itself locker room is a live audio only sports talk platform free to download and use uh, you can talk to me other fans athletes insiders in real time it's perfect for watch parties debates post-game breakdowns and reacting to breaking news uh, and so so much more you know and, and the live uh, the, the 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 app Is there so you can start or join ongoing conversations, watch games together, react to the biggest news, rumors and games. Guys, this is something I plan on using uh, during the season. You know, to to maybe do some watch parties. Maybe we'll try it out during the during the preseason. Uh, have some watch alongs. Have some, you guys come in and talk to me uh, while we're watching the games and all that kind of stuff. We can talk with other fans, insiders. Uh, you know, join in on the conversation with me. All you need to do to get on the get in on the fun is download the locker room app free in the iOS app store. Create a profile, link your Twitter, and join in uh, on the fun. Uh, you know, follow me, and you can be notified when my room goes live, and it will be going live every Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock Eastern. It's the Locker Room app. It's Club 34-7 on the Locker Room app every Wednesday at 8. Be sure and, and join in on the fun. You don't want to miss it. What's up, guys? Here we are back in business. Three episodes down, 12 more to go. We got our same place opponents done uh, thanks to uh, Ryan Dunleavy from the New York Post. Thank Thank you to our boy Q from the Locked On Raiders podcast, and of course, Ren Dax from the Pewtercast giving us our same place opponent preview of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Las Vegas Raiders, and the New York Giants. Today, we move on to the NFC West, and uh, we're starting off with the 49ers, who were, you know, one of those teams just. The Super Bowl loser curse seemed to bite them in the butt last year. It doesn't always get everybody, but it got the 49ers and it got them good uh, last year because they were poised to make a return uh, and, or it's at least stay where they work, maintain that prominence, and week two uh, just decimated them. That Jets game out there in MetLife, they lost um, – they lost Nick Bosa, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo went down with an with an ankle injury, and I'm sure they, they lost like four or five guys, some for the season in that game. Nick Bosa, they lost for sure with an ACL uh, injury, and it just kind of tanked uh, the season. They did the best they could, but in an elite division like the NFC West, they were in fourth place. And the other three teams, almost all of them, made the playoffs. Arizona, you know, we were nipping at our heels trying to take that seventh spot in the NFC last year, and we know the Rams and the Seahawks did make the playoffs as well and each one of those teams seems primed to you know repeat that. Uh, Arizona's in a good spot. We'll talk to Jess Root here in a few days uh to talk about the offseason they had and uh Sosa K from Locked On Rams will be with us to preview the the LA Rams and then we finish up with uh, with uh, Michael Sean Duggar from The Athletic in Seattle to talk about the, uh, the Seahawks and what they plan to do and you know how Russell Wilson's kind of making light of the whole I might get traded this offseason thing. Uh, the NFC West shows are going to be interesting, I can tell you that uh, for sure, because this is a division that I expect to uh, have a lot to say and what happens in the NFC uh, this year. Will they send, you know, two teams? Will they send three? You know, hell, if the math works out the right way, you can send all four teams uh, to the playoffs now. With that seventh spot, you can send four teams uh, to the playoffs. You can send the whole division uh, there. So it's it's not out of the realm of possibility. It's mathematically extremely difficult because of tiebreakers and all that kind of stuff, but... Not impossible if these teams play as well as a lot of people think they will. And the 49ers returned to form that they had in 2019 when they dominated the NFC and uh, were about 10 minutes away from winning the Super Bowl before Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs uh, had their say uh, in it. But uh, here to preview us, our guest to, to preview the 49ers, um, Oscar Aparicio from the Better Rivals podcast. We had him on a few years ago in 2018, uh, when the Bears traveled out to San Francisco late uh, in the season, that very tough, like, uh, what was it, like 14 to 9, uh, something like that. It was a real tight, tight defensive uh, battle where. You know, Trubisky was as accurate as they could as they could. I think he was like 20 of 25 uh, or something in that game. He was extremely efficient, made good throws and got first downs and things like that. But we just couldn't close the deal uh, and score points. It was a difficult afternoon for both offenses. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll see how it all uh, manages to to work out. We get the 49ers in the middle of the season this year. I think it's like week eight on Halloween Uh, of all days they come to Chicago so we won't be able to use the bitter cold uh, to our advantage but uh, being in Soldier Field with a pack house that's a good enough advantage for me I'll take that all day so uh, we're going to go ahead and step aside here and our good friend Oscar Aparicio from the Better Rivals podcast going to help us preview the 49ers so uh, buckle in this is episode one of the NFC West and our fourth 2021 opponent preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground so let's get to it Now that we are done with our same place opponents, we move on to the NFC West. And and up first is um, a surprising last place finisher, but mostly because they were absolutely ravaged. Uh, by injuries uh, that Super Bowl loser curse man it comes back and gets everyone every once in a while and uh, here to help us out previewing the San Francisco 49ers for 2021 our old friend from the Better Rivals podcast Oscar Aparicio Oscar how we doing man
2: I am doing absolutely fantastically Uh, I am down one Justin Fields but I'm up a Trey Lance we'll see how this betting goes we'll see in a couple years what's going on but it's good to be back on
1: I appreciate it. And, you know, it was it was such an interesting deal going into uh, the draft. It also sent chills down my spine. We were talking about a little bit before we started recording was watching the 49ers go from 12 to three. And it cost them three ones and a three. Also kind of a brilliant trade where, yeah, they gave up three ones, but they have basically all of their their day two picks uh, for the next couple of years. What year was that third rounder?
2: Uh, that was next year, and it was that a was, compensatory pick from the oh, Robert Sala Martin Mayhew. So it was an it, extra third round. So it was pick, a free pick that awesome. they gave away.
1: Yeah, awesome. So I mean, three ones and a, and a and a you know a spare third rounder you gave up. So you're still going to be able to do business on night two of the draft, even though you've given up those three first round uh, picks. But it sh- chills down my spine, as I said, because if it costs you three ones and a third to go from twelve to three. What was it going to cost the Bears to go from 20 to 4 or 5 to get into the neighborhood where we thought they'd have to be to get a Justin Fields or a Mac Jones or even, God forbid, uh, a Trey Lance if he was passed on? And uh, thankfully, we all know how that uh, worked out. Uh, Fields kept falling down the board. The Bears made a trade at 11. Dave Gettleman, God bless him, did not gut us for for all that he could. And uh, they got their extra first rounder next year, and we got our quarterback of the future but enough about us let's talk about your guy trey lance draft night what was that like for you
2: man it was wild because the, the, of course the the whole worry and and i do legitimately say worry was that we were going to draft mac jones yeah that that i mean that was everyone was saying i mean you have shefter saying it, you have chris sims say and you know i'm sure your, your listeners are familiar that chris sims and shanahan are, are buddies and that they have their initials tattooed on each other's body so i was make the joke that it's like Voldemort, right? Like when, when one of them makes a decision, the other's tattoo tingles and, and Chris Sims, you know, he was, he was riding that Matt Jones train. It's like, it's Matt Jones. And you could see why that was going to be the pick if it was for Shanahan. And so when, when Trey Lance was the pick, there was relief and elation because I would have preferred fields. I think fields may be the second best quarterback in this draft. And honestly, when all of a sudden done, he may be the best, just because you never know what's going to happen with Trevor Lawrence. But I do think he's got the traits and the skills to be a phenomenal, phenomenal player. But at least with Lance, they took the swing. They didn't go with safe. They didn't go with the guy who's most pro-ready now, and maybe his ceiling isn't as high, but you want a guy to come in and start right away. They took a swing. I don't know if that swing is going to pan out, but they took a swing. And for that, I absolutely respect them, because I do think that the Trey Lance puts together some wonderful things on film, He's a really, really fast processor. He's got a really good arm. He's an athlete. Um, You know, he's got a lot less snaps or a lot fewer snaps than the other guys. So Mm -hmm. he hasn't proven it. And he's proven it against, you know, inferior competition. Right. But at least they took a swing.
1: Yeah. I mean, he is a stud athlete for sure. I mean, one of my favorite highlights of his was he, he talked. I don't know if it was a designed run. I forget how the play actually started, but it was him running through the line of scrimmage, literally running through defenders and then breaking free for like a 60 yard. Uh, touchdown run, and you know you, you forget that uh, he is like six five. He he is he does have a frame uh, on him, even you know despite the fact that he is a quarterback. They are making him a lot bigger these days.
2: No, he is. He's a big dude, I and mean, he ran a four three forty.
1: Yeah, I mean he he is
2: not uh, he's not a small guy. Yeah, the, the thing that you worry about with Trey Lance because the the thing that I'm sure that the Niners love about him is what he can do in the quarterback run game. We know that Shanahan is. A, I mean, he what he does with the run game and how he schemes that up is brilliant. The Niners, funnily enough, you know, they they made their dynasty on passing the ball. And <laughs> since Jim Harbaugh took over, really they've really been like a, a run first team. Yeah. They do a lot of really yeah. exotic run things. And and with Harbaugh, it was a lot of the you know, the QB runs and a lot of gap schemes, a lot of power. With Shanahan, it's more zone. But Shanahan's been involving more gap schemes and and, and that over the course of the last couple of years. You know, a lot of counter plays which which play off of the movement of outside zones. So it's a really diverse run game. And now that you throw the quarterback run into there, it's going to open up quite a bit more. And we know that Shanahan does think that the zone read's not dead. Like it it's still a sound football play. So he's excited about what he's going to do there. The the worry about Lance, though, is really his accuracy. He's got some erratic accuracy, and sometimes <clears> it's great. But sometimes you're just like, there was nothing wrong with your pocket. There was nothing wrong with your feet. There was nothing wrong with your eyes. And you sailed it. And, and so if he can clean that up, I think Lance is going to be great. But accuracy, you know, some people are in the camp that you can't really fix it. Some people are like, well, you can. You know, it just depends. This, this is why, you know, you develop them when you play. But that, that's the worry with Lance right now, I think, from my
1: perspective. Sure. Sure I mean like I said i was I was impressed with this film and then I thought that like many people thought that you know maybe he would be the one to fall that the bears would get a chance to Uh, go up and get or I mean according to some uh, mock drafts are a hell of a thing aren't they just you know Trey Lance was falling and as we were talking about just before we started recording Justin Fields went from being the number two pick in the draft to the Jets at the beginning uh, of the offseason all the way down to I saw some mock drafts that had him going as the last pick in the first round to the Tampa Bay uh buccaneers so i mean the mock drafts are just crazy and everybody's opinion of this prospect or that one and and things like that it it's, it is one of the ultimate crapshoots in in sports it's like there are very few certainties like we all know who number one pick is and the jets made it clear who their guy was going to be and everyone was saying the draft starts at three is it going to be lance is it going to be mac jones are the 49ers going to throw a curveball and go against all, all the rumors and take Justin Fields and you know all the rest of that stuff it, it really is one of those biggest one of the biggest gambles in sports is the NFL draft absolutely and it is a crapshoot
2: you know I mean you think of Mahomes Mahomes is you know the quarterback of this generation yeah. and he did not go first overall you know no. he went uh, I think what was it like 10th or 11th yeah and, I think know, it he was, was 10, third, yeah. quarterback, third quarterback off the board mm-hmm. and, and so it's it is a crapshoot you know and it's and you don't know I mean you I forget that you were part of the suffering fan base of that 2007 draft with Mitch Trubisky and the Niners. Whatever, whatever yin was created when the Niners ended up taking an extra pick from you to move up one spot to match (laughs) Trubisky. I feel like universe has paid you back at this point for only having to trade one first to move up and get maybe, you know, one one of the top two quarterbacks, I think in this draft, you you know, things have balanced out. Okay.
1: Yeah. I I was just looking at that when, when I was going through, the uh the transactions for the 49ers during the offseason it, it really just looks more like roster maintenance than any really big changes i mean it, like the biggest names to join I, I like alex Mack, the center from at from the falcons uh signed a free agent deal michael pruitt from tennessee the tight end uh comes in uh nate sudfield i guess is going to be one of the what do you got like four quarterbacks on the roster uh right now coming in as a backup from philadelphia but it's like, like Arden Key from, from the Raiders comes in, Wayne Gallman, the running back from, from the Giants. It doesn't seem like, I mean, and I know this wasn't really the off season for those big blockbuster moves because of the lowered salary cap, but looking at the names coming in, looking at the names going out, it, it, it appears to me the 49ers core is intact and you were just kind of filling out the roster with some of these uh, acquisitions.
2: Yeah, th- I think that's exactly right. I mean, the Niners uh, the Niners are betting on the fact that they had a Super Bowl roster uh, which they did in 2019. Oh yeah, yeah. And that Super Bowl roster didn't get realized in 2020 because their quarterback got injured. Yeah. And so if they could keep the, uh, as much of the band as they could together through 2020, I think that's where they were at. The biggest loss I think if you're looking at the, if you're reading the roster is going to be Richard Sherman. Yeah. He is currently a free agent. He may come back because he's still not signed. He uh, apparently it's basically down to Seattle or the Niners. And, and I honestly think the, the Niners may have gotten uh, – it may have been a, a blessing in disguise that Sherman left and was looking to sign somewhere else because I think Richard Sherman is in, inarguably a first ballot Hall of Famer. Sure. At, and, and he is an amazing, amazing cornerback, and he's great in the locker room too. But his film last season – you you start to see his physical deficiencies really begin to get it, get him and he's never been a guy who's relied on his speed because he's always been a really intelligent heady corner mm. but man there are times where you, he's just getting roasted by uh, by receivers and it you could see the injuries the Achilles and everything just start to take its toll and and it's one of those things where you know if you want to sign him for maybe like 4 or 5 million sure but he's Richard Sherman. His name's going to command a couple more mil. And so, right. you know, paying seven, eight, nine, ten million dollars for his caliber of play, I felt like the Niners could invest that somewhere else. So, yeah, that looks like a big loss on paper. But Jason Verrett was the big name to retain. He had a fantastic season last year. And, and I think he was really the priority. And the Niners did make him a priority to sign. And <sighs> and on the other side of the corner, you know, you, you've, you've got some things. The, the Niners believe in investing in the defensive line first then maybe – fixing everything with the corner second with some scheme. But that's probably the biggest name that if you're looking at the roster, that was a loss. Um, a, a, but I don't think it's as big of a loss as one might think when you're reading it first.
1: Yeah. The 49ers, uh, you know, with, with John Lynch and, and um, Shanahan, the, uh, the coach um, is, is, is in my opinion, their roster building 101. They, they took care of the trenches on both sides because they know that's the foundation of your football team. The game starts there where the ball is snapped right there at the line of scrimmage. You know, they, they built up both those sides of the, of, of the ball and then kind of built out from, from there. And it's, it shows in the success of the team. It's like, like I said, the only thing that really held the 49ers back, you, you, yes, Garoppolo went down, but so did almost everybody else. I mean, um, one thing that I was very surprised about with 2020 in week one was how little there were injuries in that first week of the season. I thought it was going to be an absolute bloodbath. I thought they were going to run out of body bags to carry guys off the field with no offseason, very limited training camp, no preseason, and have to go from zero to 60 uh, week one You know, in the league and everything. I thought guys were going to start dropping like flies. I was right, but I was a week late on my prediction. It was week two where all the dominoes started to fall, and a lot of them were wearing 49er helmets in that Jets game week two when guys started to fall from Bosa, Garoppolo. I mean, it was just like one guy after another went down in that game for you guys.
2: Yeah, and I think Solomon Thomas was another one that was lost in that game, and that was – I mean, he's a rotational player, right? He was part of that 2007 class. He's someone else. that He's now in, in Las Vegas. I right. said I'm still going to continue to call them the Oakland Raiders, just like I, I call them the San Diego Chargers.
1: Yeah, I get it. Yeah,
2: <laughs> But yeah, he so he was another one, uh, another piece that left. But yeah, it, it was tough, man. I, I dislike MetLife Stadium for lots of reasons, um, in part because their their turf is super sticky. I'm I'm a big part of the just remove turf from the game. Like mm-hmm. there's enough money in football. Just get grass. Arizona can figure it out. Like put grass in a stadium. We, we've got technology. We can put people on the moon. Put Elon Musk on it is what I'm saying. <laughs> He'll figure it out. Figure out how to get grass in a dome, and you won't have as many injuries. Um, but yeah, I mean, losing Bosa was huge. Losing Bosa was real, real big. Solomon Thomas was, was okay, and then you know Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't been the same since his high ankle sprain. And it's, and it's, I mean, the reason that the Niners have Trey Lance, because they knew that Garoppolo, when he played, was good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, if not, you know, I don't think that he's part of the elite group of quarterbacks. He's good enough. Mm-hmm. But, but they wanted to go after great, and for that I respect him because that's the right move.
1: Yeah, and as a friend of mine, uh, Brett Coleman, says, you can never pay too much. For I mean, especially if you hit, you can never pay too much for a franchise quarterback. If Trey Lance is everything that they want him to be and more, three first-round picks is going to feel like a bargain. Same thing with the Absolutely. with the Bears. You know, the, those, those day-two picks, day-three picks they gave up and, you know, next year's first-rounder of Justin Fields. I mean, even if Justin Fields comes out like a rocket this year, it's going to be worth everything we gave up to get him. So well, it's so funny that draft draft classes really after
2: about four years everything gets reset mm-hmm. because there there are a few there are a few players that you kind of sign long term right? like the George Kittles of the world that are right. like giving them the big extensions the Fred Warner's of the world that you're giving them big extensions but by and large like think about what the Niners did in 2007 or 2017 sorry 2017 was a pretty terrible draft class like Solomon Thomas was a complete miss yeah Ruben Foster is no longer on the team he is he in the NFL. Backs. Uh, he is. I think he. So he tore his ACL. He was with Washington, right? And I think they. They. I don't know if he's still on that team or not. Um. But. But yeah. But even when he was with the Niners, he was kind of always in and out of games, and then they. Had to, they eventually had to cut him. Like the only reason that that 2017 draft was any good is because of George Kittle, right? And and they were in the Super Bowl two years later. Right. And and now and they still have a Super Bowl roster. So it's like draft classes are interesting, but you can, you know, much like their crapshoots, you can also recover if you make some mistakes as long as you don't continue to make mistakes. And the Niners had a good draft 2018. They had a fair enough draft 2019. So th- there are four year chunks in four year cycle where you can get through it all and you can get through it all even better if you have a quarterback. If you're Seattle and you've got Russell Wilson, you can have terrible drafts and you'll still be a playoff contender because you got a quarterback. So absolutely right if you hit on quarterback it smooths over a lot of other issues
1: what yeah I mean and and with the discussion in the offseason the bear I mean that was the most annoying part of the offseason like I just I could not wait for it to be over like I could not wait for draft day not because I love draft day which I do but I just wanted to it to be over with as far as what the bears were going to do at quarterback because every single week of the offseason before we signed Andy Dalton it was the Bears being attached to this quarterback or that one. I mean, even Garoppolo was in the discussion for a while, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, Ben Roethlisberger, uh, Carson Wentz, uh, Matt Stafford. If they were semi-available, they were rumored to be interested in the Bears or the Bears interested uh, in them. And the one that I actually was, you know, the most that I wanted was actually – Wilson, because as you said, quarterback, if you have a great quarterback, it covers up a lot. I felt like for the Kings Rams and the Bears were willing to give up to get Wilson, he would help us, you know, wage that gap between, you know, what the Bears have and what we'll have to wait to get uh, for a couple of years because he's one of those guys that elevates the people uh, around him. And uh, I didn't feel that way about Deshaun Watson. I did feel that way about Wilson, even though he's like nine years older. Uh, than Watson, I thought that he could definitely, um, you know, shorten the gap between what we have and what, what he can improve uh, on the roster for us.
2: Yeah, I mean, but ultimately, I think you are in the best place for your franchise. Oh, absolutely, like, uh, absolutely. Rookie yeah, rookie contract, young player, cost controlled, didn't cost you Norman a leg like to move up, um, and, and yeah, I mean, I, I would have. While you know the whole Deshaun Watson thing and whether or not he's going to play is its own thing, and Russell Wilson, I think is our, you know, he is already in the elite. If it were me, I would still prefer the Justin Fields scenario. Uh, oh, because for sure. The the yeah. Get you get years and years of cost controlled quarterback, four years before they go up to five. Uh, you know, and then you, you can do so much. I mean, that, that's what the, that's where the Niners are right now. If they could find a way, if they really had their druthers about them, they would cut or trade Garoppolo.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You have an extra 20 million. Yeah. Immediately. What can you do with 20 million dollars? You can go and get a corner. You can go and get an edge rusher. You can go and get, you know, you can really improve your team because you're right. I mean, the free agents they signed, like Samson Ekubon, for example, was one of their, their, you know, day one or two signings. He came from the Rams. He's an edge player. He's fine, but he's not, he's not spectacular. He's an athlete. He's a twitchy guy, Um, but he's not going to be, he's not going to replace D Ford. You know, he, that's, that's the hope. The hope is that he can get some of those snaps and that D Ford can come back and you can maybe mix and match him, But, That's that's where the Niners are at. If they had 20 million dollars, they could have gone out for a a premier pass rusher and put another guy opposite of of Bosa and then also have D Ford if he's able to come back from his back injury in the rotation. That's how you win Super Bowls.
1: Yeah. 20 million could actually probably get you both Yannick Ngakwe and Richard Sherman uh, to come back and, you know, probably have a little room to spare on top of that
2: hundred percent, you know, and, and so I, that that's where I think really that that's why having a cost controlled quarterback who's good is so valuable. It's so important because Russell Wilson, you know, is is arguably a better quarterback than Justin Fields. I mean, we know what he can do on the field and we right. don't know what Justin Fields is going to do. But that cost control, man, it's, it's a big deal.
1: Absolutely. It is. I mean, and, and you know, the, the best year the Bears have had in a long time was the the 2018 season when we were in year two. Uh, in the Trubisky uh, experiment, that's why we can give Akeem Hicks $12 million a year and, uh, you know, Khalil Mack $20 million and, you know, all that kind of stuff and afford to build that awesome defense that we had uh, that season and, and give Allen Robinson $14 million because we only had to pay our starting quarterback 6 or $7 million, you know, to, to get us to the next level uh, kind of thing. And, uh, you know, here we are all over again. Uh, with Justin Fields, who's actually going to be cheaper than Trubisky was because Trubisky was number two, Justin Fields is number 11. So he's going to be a little bit cheaper than, than Trubisky was. And, and, you know, it'd be a nice problem to have five years from now to try to figure out how to squeeze Justin Fields' $40 million salary under the cap and, and build a roster together. Because if we're doing that, then obviously he's doing something that uh, has gotten us where we want to go.
2: I forget which player said it, but uh, they, they, they tweeted out something where it's like the, the cap is only an issue if they want it to be. Right. Like the cat. Like I saw keep, that too.
1: Yeah. I forget who said that. Out
2: how to make it work with a cap. Like, well, I mean, look you,
1: at the, look at the Rams, you know, <laughs> how many guys on their team make 20 million a season. There's like five or six and somehow they are able to put a nine, a 53 man roster together.
2: It's like, the Rams are such an interesting scenario because they, they are a top heavy roster. Right. Yeah. I mean, Jalen Ramsey goes down what happens, right. You know, if, if Aaron Donald goes down, what happens, you know, that, that's, that's an interesting roster building strategy, but I mean, Hey, y- y- that, that is a way to build a team yeah. and they do good things. Um, you know, and, and the Niners do things a little differently. Although this year is, is, you know, probably a little different because they traded a bunch to go get their quarterback. But yeah, I mean, there's, there's different ways to try to get to a Super Bowl and try to sustain success. And that's, you know, that's what makes it fun. Right. Cause if there was one way to do it, Everybody would just do it that way, and we'd all be twiddling our thumbs, going like, "Well, they're just going to do it that way."
1: Yeah, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and everybody's finishing eight and eight, or nine and eight, or whatever. Exactly. It is. So yeah, that wouldn't be very fun. But it's just, you know, like that—that that is a perfect example of that statement. Is like the salary cap's only a problem if you, if you want it to be, or if you let it, uh, kind of thing. Because, like you said, very top-heavy roster with the Rams, you got at least a handful of guys making over twenty million dollars a season, in some cases more. Uh, than that but uh, and you'd also think that draft picks would be of a premium for the Rams as well but they won't be picking in 2025 until we're electing another president in 2024 uh, again because they just keep giving away these picks to to pick up people like they give up the next two first round picks for Matt Stafford and all that kind of stuff but you know there it's 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 interesting watching how some teams can build the roster together and what what uh, what is successful uh, and and what isn't and so let's th- talk about what was probably the biggest subtraction from the team. Was, the, was Robert Sala leaving the team going to the New York Jets to take over there? D'Amico Ryans comes in as the defensive coordinator. He was on the, the team last year, correct? Was he like a linebacker coach for you guys? He was indeed a linebacker coach. He's actually only
2: had one coaching job in his career, and that's with the Niners. He was started as a defensive quality uh, control coach and then moved up to linebackers, was with linebackers the last couple of years, and now... Is a defensive coordinator
1: how you feeling uh, about that because it's i mean he was he was a good football player a lot of years with the texans uh and everything and and uh you know so he's obviously he knows the game but it's is i mean has it even how many years has it been since you've been with the 49ers four maybe five uh, yeah, he came over with uh, with Shanahan. So he's okay. been here
2: as long as Shanahan has been here. And so he I mean, he's been he's grown up in Salah's system, you know, for basically his entire coaching career. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic about D'Amico Ryans. Yeah, there is a, a type of person that Shanahan gravitates towards when it comes to football. And that is someone who thinks very deeply and intellectually about the game of football and, and then can turn that into something on the field. It's, it's why you know, Mike LaFleur and, and it's why you know, the, the offensive coordinators have come through Shanahan, the defensive coordinators he seems to be attached to. Robert Sala was the same way. Like the, the stories that came out about Robert Sala when he was hired was about how good he was at chess because he loves to think strategically about things, and he's always three, four, five, six moves deep. And, I mean, that's what Shanahan is, as an offensive play caller. Mm-hmm. So that that's a type of person that he is attracted to. And, by all accounts, D'Amico Ryans is much the same way. He's more of a quiet person. He's not as going to be in-your-face, you know, glistening bald head, running up and down the stairs, you know, <laughs> and, and kind of blacking out because he's so excited on the sidelines like Robert Sala was. Right. But he still does think deeply about the game. And, and you know, the, now the story is like, you know, we want to have an aggressive defense, an attacking defense. Like, I'm still waiting for the defensive coordinator to say, we're going to have a passive defense. We're going to just wait and do what you know, we're going to take what the offense gives us. Yeah. And we're just going to you know, so no one says that as an as a defensive coordinator he's going to say we're going to be aggressive and at attacking. But the Niners did hire James Betcher. Yes. James Betcher, you know, former defensive coordinator with Arizona mm-hmm. and with the New York Football Giants. He is known for his blitz packages and for playing that more aggressive brand of football. So even before we know anything about D'Amico Ryan's, the fact that they've added James Becher onto the staff is already pretty interesting to me because if he does bring that more blitz heavy influence, I do think you might see the Niners play a bit more press man, a bit more blitz. And if they can't get pass rush with their front four, they could see a higher blitz rate with some more exotic schemes. Robert Sala had his highest blitz rate. In 2020 with the 49ers, he didn't have to blitz much in 2019, and and so and, and that makes sense because you don't have Bosa, you have to manufacture pass rush somehow, and and so if the Niners can't get pass rush with their front four, or if people are just sliding their protection over to Bosa because they know there's no other threat, now you might start to see a bit more blitzing, a bit more aggression, and, and you see a bit more kind of play fast from the Niners defense. So, don't know what that defense is going to bring, but. I think that's probably where if we see more wrinkles it'll be more in the pressure packages and blitz schemes.
1: Yeah, the the Bears did something very very similar. They 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 promoted Sean Desai uh from our like our, saf- our safeties coach or secondary coach to be the defensive coordinator to take over for Chuck Pagano. And then um they hired um Mike Pettin, the uh, defensive coordinator from the the Packers who just got let go as the senior defensive Uh, consultant so it's like they just like the 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 49ers you have I mean D'Amico Ryans is not a rookie by any chance but it's he's a rookie defensive coordinator they bring in a veteran guy that will support him they did the same thing with Sean Desai he's been in the system with the Bears I think he's one of the longest tenured coaches like he was there from like um, uh, God I am blanking out on the names today Um, the coach before John Fox uh anyway he's this is his third coaching staff that he's been a part of and now he's the defensive coordinator you bring Mike Pettin in to uh to to kind of back him up and and you know help him out fill you know fill in the gaps if you will uh as to you know how we're going to run the defense uh, and everything so very similar uh moves Uh, there, and and hopefully it works out.
2: I mean, it's a a smart strategy because there's no salary cap on coaches. Right. There's no limit to the number of coaches you can have. Like, everyone thinks you just kind of have an offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, position coaches, some quality control assistants, but there is no limit to the number of coaches that you can have on staff, and there is no limit to the amount that you can pay them. So, yeah, bring smart people in. Let them do cool stuff, and and eventually, I think your scheme and your players will, will benefit. The Niners did something similar with Joe Woods. They brought in Joe Woods and and ended up going with, you know, some more too high, a bit more man coverage stuff. And that's when their defense really started to morph into less of that cover three scheme and more varied as a defense. And now, you know, in Salah's last year, last year, he played three different coverages over 20 percent of the time. Where, you know, you think Robert Sala is a single high guy, the Seattle cover three, that's what he's known for. And that's what the Niners did about 65, 70% of the time in 2017, 2018. But 2019, 2020, and especially the back half of 2018, you start to see a really varied coverage scheme. And he now loves a lot of cover four, cover six, and cover three. And and those were his, you know, kind of preferred coverages. And so when you bring smart people in, like Joe Woods, when you bring in Chris Kosurik, who brought the wide nine to San Francisco... You get better defenses all around, I think. Uh, And so I think it's a really smart strategy.
1: Mark Tressman was the coach whose name I could not remember. Tressman, then Fox. I
2: feel like I should have known that. He was an offensive coordinator (laughs) for the Niners. And for
1: for many years, an offensive guru. Like he was the guy that was supposed to be the next big head coach, and he didn't get his shot until like 20 years later. Because I was hearing Mark Tressman's name in the early 90s. About Canada, being,
2: Canada would disagree. Yeah. Canada would disagree because Mark Trestman is uh, – he he did wonderful things in the CFL.
1: He did, and then he went back and did it again, actually, when he was done uh, in Chicago. But as far as we Americans, you know, down here in the, in, in the States and everything, it's it's no bueno. So, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, it was, 2013 was an adventure, man. I mean, he was a genius. The offense was the best it had ever been, and then our defense got old overnight, like literally – old overnight. And we had the worst defense in the NFL. But um, anyway, so let's talk about the, the draft night. We've already talked about the Trey Lance uh, pick Were, were you, you were leaning more towards Lance and Jones as far as those two rumored selections, correct?
2: Yeah, I, I think what, so. What I wanted was fields. What I right. thought would happen based on reports was Mac Jones, but especially late in the process I just, I just, I had this kind of feeling. I was like, look, I don't think Shanahan's gonna stand pat with with Jones. I think he's gonna take a swing. And if you're gonna take a swing, I could see Trey Lance being that swing, just because of the way that he processes and the way that he sees the field, the type of offense he ran, a lot of play action, plays from under center. Like 30% of snaps under center, which most quarterbacks coming out now have like seven or nine percent snaps under center, if any at all. So I, I could, I see. I mean, you're looking at his film and you're seeing the tight end leak. You're seeing him throw those dig plays. You're seeing him throw plays that you see shanahan run on sundays are the same types of plays that you see lance running when he's in north dakota state so it it made sense but you know i'm not gonna sit here and pretend like i knew in any way shape or form it's like if you're gonna take a swing i feel like that swing is gonna be lance but then you get to the later rounds and it's like okay now you get aaron banks as a guard you get trace sermon as a running back love that pick Dude, Trey Sermon, I think, is actually going to be really, really good. I, I, we, did, uh, just, we just did a breakdown of him on our Patreon, and I, I say he's got a little bit of Frank Gore in him. He's not a burner. He's not Raheem Mostert. He's not going to break into the open field and end up you know, hitting a, a 50-yard run, but neither did Frank Gore. Right? Frank Gore would get caught from behind regularly whenever he broke into the open field, but what Frank Gore did was he was Mr. Reliable. Mm-hmm. He got the yards that the line blocked for him, and he was athletic enough in a phone booth to make a lot of people miss to where you see him go into a line and you're like, oh, okay, this run's going to go to one or two yards. I'm yep. already preparing for the next play. And then he squirts out the back and it ends up getting six. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, okay. That, that was fun. That was interesting. I feel like Sermon's the same way. Sermon has really, really good short area quickness, really good athleticism in the hole. And, and what you don't see in college a lot is you don't see running backs running through compressed areas. Because the holes are just so wide. Yeah. Whether it be the splits or whether it be the competition or whether it be the offense, they're just running through these massive holes. And so, I mean, anyone can do that. You don't really get to see what a running back does in those instances. But that's not what Trey Lance faced in some of his snaps when he played for when he played in college. He actually had to run in some tight areas. He's making people miss and man, the people just melt off of him. Like he'll hit someone and it's just like good goodbye. You're you're done. You're toast. And if you're a corner even worse. He's just leaving people in his wake. I think he's not going to be like an explosive rookie of the year candidate, but he's going to be like old, reliable. He's going to consistently get you some yardage. Um, and, and especially now with an injury to one of the other Niners, uh, running backs, Jeff Wilson, he tore his meniscus. He's now the number two running back. So if you've, if you've listened this long, here's my bit of fantasy (laughs) advice: maybe take a flyer on someone like Trey Sermon. And if you're in a dynasty league, maybe even take a flight a little bit sooner because he might, he might pay some dividends for you. Yeah.
1: This episode of the bears talk underground is brought to you by the locker room app guys. It is an exciting brand new app that I just, I'm very privileged to be a part of. I have a live show on at club 34, seven bears talk underground presents club 34, seven every Wednesday night at 7 PM central eight o'clock Eastern. And the, app itself locker room is a live audio only sports talk platform free to download and use uh you can talk to me other fans athletes insiders in real time it's perfect for watch parties debates post-game breakdowns and reacting to breaking news uh and so so much more you know and and the live uh, the, the 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 app is there so you can start or join ongoing conversations, watch games together, react to the biggest news, rumors, and games. Guys, this is something I plan on using uh, during the season. You know, to to maybe do some watch parties. Maybe we'll try it out during the during the preseason. Uh, have some watch alongs. Have some, you guys come in and talk to me uh, while we're watching the games and all that kind of stuff. We can talk with other fans, insiders. Uh, you know, join in on the conversation with me. All you need to do to get on the get in on the fun is download the locker room app free in the iOS app store. Create a profile, link your Twitter, and join in. Uh, on the fun Uh, you know follow me and you can be notified when my room goes live and it will be going live every wednesday night 7 p.m central eight o'clock eastern it's the locker room app it's club 34 7 on the locker room app every wednesday at eight be sure and and join in on the fun you don't want to miss it do you think maybe that's why the running back position has become such a dime a dozen you know, running backs don't you don't really see running backs taken in the first round anymore because of the big drop off between like they're running through these Mack truck size holes in college. And then, you know, they're not going to find those holes in the NFL. So this the, the, the learning curve is so steep for running backs because it's night and day of what they're used to in the college game.
2: I think with running backs, it's that the. The the skill of running successfully is relatively ubiquitous, and what I mean by that is that the 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 determining factor for a large part of a running back's success is their offensive line. Right. If you've got an offensive line that can open up a bunch of holes, then it just takes you know an average running back to get a bunch of really good yards. And yeah, there is absolutely a difference between you know Zeke or the Adrian Peterson's of the world and, and you know, other running backs that aren't nearly as good, but that might be like a two yard difference, mm-hmm.
1: you
2: know, where, where one guy gets, you know, three, four yards and the other gets six or seven. And, and so I think that it's because the skill is relatively available because it largely depends on the offensive line that now you can do what the Niners did, which is have Raheem Mostert, who was an undrafted free agent that you, you know, got as a special teams ace. And he's now one of the best running backs in the NFL or Jeff Wilson, who was another undrafted guy or Jeff, uh, Matt Breida, who was another undrafted guy, right? It's like, why is it that all these undrafted guys keep having success? And you can go back to Denver with Alandis Gary, you know, and Mike Anderson yeah. and Terrell Davis. Same scheme, right? The Shanahan scheme with outside zone. It's not because, you know, I, I, although there is something that Bobby Turner, who's a running back running backs coach in San Francisco, finding talent the, the, really it's, it's the scheme. It's the way the offense blocks It's the way they coach it. And so, you know, it, it is a, it is a relatively available talent. And so you're going to spend your more premium picks on the things that are rarer. Sure. on the premier pass rusher, on the yeah. quarterback, on the wide receiver. And so that that's what I think has happened. Um, because, you know, I can spend a first-round pick on Zeke, or I can spend a first-round pick on Justin Fields, and then get, you know, a third-round running back and be uh, and be much better off than if I were to do the inverse.
1: Right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Because, you know, the quarterback in the third round is, uh is you know... CJ Beathard. Yeah. Or like in this year's draft, sure, Kellen, I- Kellen Mond... You know, could he could he be the the next the next guy in in Minnesota? The likelihood of that happening and him taking over from Kirk Cousins is going to take a couple years of development for him to quite get there. Whereas Justin Fields is definitely worth taking a day one flyer on.
2: Yeah, dude, I'm so jealous about this Justin Fields pick. I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm excited to watch the the. I have a couple friends who are Bears fans, and like obviously, I'm still a, a Niners fan. And I'm never going sure never going to go against my team here, but man, I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do. Uh,
1: yeah. he's, he's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait. I can't wait. And like I said, just before we started recording the off season turned on a dime on draft night, we get, we get fields night one. And then night on uh, night two, we get Tevin Jenkins who I wanted the bears to draft that they stood pad at 20. That's who I wanted as the off, as our first rounder at, if we stayed at 20 was Tevin Jenkins and he falls into the second round and we make the trade, Uh, to go and get him. I went from not looking forward very much to 2021 with football, with, you know, Andy Dalton and a disgruntled Allen Robinson, you know, you know, playing for the money this year to all of a sudden we got Justin Fields and Tevin Jenkins. Now I'm excited to see what this team might be, uh, might be capable of. And and things like that. It literally turned on a dime in that 24 hour period.
2: Who, who had a better draft night than Allen Robinson? (laughs) Allen Robinson has had, he, he has put up a remarkable career with a bunch of absolute scrubs throwing him the football. Yeah, he has. he has. One of my favorite, I saw a video, I forget who, oh man, I mean, it's going to escape me. I'm, I'm going to feel so bad. But someone put together like a a free Allen Robinson uh, that video. That was Lauren Cox, a friend of mine. He put it out <laughs> oh, there.
1: Oh my God, it was amazing. Like he was one of those puppies from PETA or yes, something yes, like yes, that. Yes, it was all brilliant. All
2: times that the quarterback overthrew him.
1: Yeah. They finally took that video down actually like in the last week or two. Oh, no. He was, that is a travesty. He was he devastated. That <laughs> yeah. That,
2: that, is, that is a masterpiece. It is an absolute masterpiece. And and yeah, I mean R- Fields is going to get on the ball, dude. Yeah.
1: Fields is going to get on the ball and it's going to be awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, it was um yeah, it was quite a quite a night. So, let's talk about the rest of these picks. You got a second third rounder, Ambry Thomas a corner out of Michigan, you got another guard out of Western Michigan, Jalen Moore, in the fifth round. Another fifth rounder, Talanoa Hunga Hunguhunga Huganga. Nice safety out of USC, and then Elijah Mitchell. Uh, I don't think it can be a draft for aren't taking a running back somewhere uh, out of Louisiana with the the sixth round uh, pick. So um, there you have it. Well, how about these these the, the last half of these guys?
2: So I think, though, of the players that are there, the the player that excites me the most um, is probably a combination of the the running back, Mm -hmm. um, because, of course, I'm a Niners fan. Like, why not? Uh, Elijah Mitchell, though, he's got some good speed. He's more in the mold of players the Niners get in the later rounds at running back. Um, he, He is someone who benefited from really big holes in college, but he makes his reads really, really well. He does keep working after contact. He does take a couple steps to cut up field in some condensed areas, but he's got that long speed, man. And if he gets a good hole in the Niners offense, which he will, he's going to be able to have some, some game-breaking speed. So I also think he's actually going to be a good pass catching back, which Trey Sermon wasn't used a ton in the passing game in college. It was more kind of dump-offs and swing routes. Um, so I would say you know keep an eye on Elijah Mitchell, especially with that early injury uh, in the, the, Niners, uh, the Niners backfield. But corner is really where they needed to get some draft picks. They made two picks. They made three technically, although uh, Hufanga might end up playing linebacker. Uh, And based on what I saw for him in college, he probably projects better as a linebacker, more like that overhang defender you know, kind of player that is a little too slow to play safety in today's NFL, but could probably still be a really, really good linebacker. But when you think about the defensive backs, ultimately it's going to be Ambry Thomas. I think he's going to be a really interesting pick because much like Trey Lance, there's not a lot of film on him. He played he, he opted out in 2020, but he played one hundred and twenty two press man snaps in Don Brown's off defense at Michigan. That's not common for a defensive back in college to play that much press man play a lot of zone, a lot of cover four in college. And so he's going to play press man. He sticks real close. He's a little grabby, a little grabby. Not going to lie, but he does play close to his man and he's got those really long arms that you love for a corner and he's got straight line speed. He timed at four, four, one. Mm. He plays a little slower than that, but he's still, he's still timed really, really quickly. So when we talked earlier about how maybe the Niners are gonna be a bit more aggressive, maybe a bit more press man. Well, now you've got a corner who's got experience with a lot more man coverage and a lot of press man. So I, I don't know if the stars are aligning there but it seems like he is able to bring some of the things that the Niners might be trending towards this year in their defense and defensive scheme. I don't think he'll be a starter right away. I do think that it's going to be uh, Jason Verrett and Emmanuel Mosley who are starting, but Emmanuel Mosley could play some slot. He could be the primary backup. k Williams is back for another year. He's a really, really good slot defender. So it, he's the guy who really could make this draft class shine if he ends up doing some good things.
1: So, so tell me, real quick, I mean, with this this trade for Lance, giving up the three first-round picks, what is is Forty 49ers' batting average with first-rounders? Because when, when the Bears made the trade for Justin Fields and we gave up 2022's first-rounder, a lot of Bear fans are like, well, most of those first-round picks don't pan out for us anyway, so let the Giants take the risk instead of us. How is it with the... 49ers because I know 2017 Solomon Thomas was a miss but 2018 was Mike McGlinchey that was a big hit for you guys so how uh, is it is it 50 50 or is it better than that
2: uh I would say right now the jury is still out okay because I think Solomon Thomas and Ruben Foster absolutely two misses right Mike McGlinchey I would say was a hit yeah, yeah. Nick Bosa complete absolutely out of the it's water a slam, like, yeah. just complete freaking hit right but then you got Javon Kinlaw and Brandon Ayuk I think Brandon Ayuk is going to be the better player of those two draft picks, even though he was drafted later. Javon Kinlaw, I think the jury is still out on him. If he can take a leap in his second year and end up putting together some positive pass rush snaps, I think that'll be good. Right now, if, if he continues on his trajectory, he'll be a good, solid run defender, but not provide a ton as a pass rusher. He's got like one pass rush move, which is this bull rush that he's good at. But he was much better in college because he could physically overwhelm people. He can't do that as much in the NFL. Mm -hmm. And so his pass rush was a little bit blunted, but he's a good athlete. And if he can layer a couple of pass moves together and be a bit more diverse, he could develop into a good defensive lineman. Now, if he doesn't hit, I think the Niners are probably on the bad side of their first round picks. Right. If he does hit, I think they're okay, And, and they're likely closer to 50 50 or a little bit better, which is, I think, what what you're hoping for. Um, because, I mean, they've had, what? let's say, one, two, three, four, five, six first-round picks in the first four years of the, the tenure of, of Lynch and Shanahan. And they've hit so far on maybe three of them. Mm-hmm. And then Javon Kinlaw's the fourth. So it's, it's, it's better than 50-50 if he hits. If not, you're at 50-50.
1: Yeah, I often wonder uh, about that because the the Bears traditionally like first round picks are more often than not they don't work out. But when we get into the second round, the third round, and things like that, that's where we find, or even in in, in later rounds, that's where we find the Jordan Howards and the Eddie Jacksons and the Tariq Cohens, and you know, in going back, you know, further than that, that's where we got Charles Tillman and Lance Briggs and guys like that. We're much more of a day two, day three organization as far as like where we hit. Our home runs. The first, the first rounders often tend to be a uh, disaster, or at least, you know, like th- this guy it was, was like a day two talent or something like that. Not that we, you know he shouldn't have been the shining jewel of our draft class.
2: Yeah, I mean, it really is just a, a, a like it. The process is hopefully that over time you end up with more hits than you do misses. But it, it is a relative crapshoot. Like as long as you're not constantly trading up, I think that's that's a bad thing. Um, ideally, unless you're trading up for a quarterback, you're not going to make a lot of a lot of hay with those moves. But you know, sometimes you hit, sometimes you miss, and hopefully, you end up with some good players. Um, you know, I think the Niners have done a good job over the course of the last few years. They, they they redid, they overcame a lot of their mistakes from 2017 with their drafts in 2018, 2019. And so, you know, hopefully that that turns into a success uh, here for for their next season. Because I think they, I think this is the year the NFC West sends three playoff teams. Um, I really do think that the Rams, Niners. And the Seahawks will make it, and I think the Cardinals might as well. I, like I don't know that they'll send four teams. I still, I still think the Cardinals are going to be at the bottom, but it's going to be a fun division, the NFC West.
1: Yeah, it's it's uh, <laughs> it's definitely going to be uh, you know interesting because you know that's what I've been saying this this entire offseason season uh, before the schedule came out, knowing that this is what the Bears were up against. We got the NFC West and the AFC North uh, this year. We have a team that's, we have a division that sent two teams, almost sent a third, and the worst, the quote unquote worst team in the division was the defending, you know, conference champion that was ravaged by injuries and probably could have been a ton better had everyone been able to stay healthy. Uh, So, I mean, potentially four playoff teams there. And then the AFC North, which did send three teams to the playoffs uh, last year. And, and, you you know, it's just like, okay, this is the schedule that we're looking into this year and granted 2021 is a completely different year from 2020, but you know, it's just, it, we're staring down the barrel of, of eight very tough football games outside of two games with the green Bay two with Detroit two with uh, Minnesota. So yeah, it's going to be interesting. The NFC is a
2: little loaded right now, especially yeah. with Tom Brady coming over and, and reprising his role as the villain that everyone wants to beat. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the NFC is going to be interesting. You've now got Julio over in the AFC, so he's with Tennessee. That's going to be a fun conference, but Overall, it feels like there's there's some people that are gunning for uh, for the NFC crown, and, and they they have to dethrone now Brady. But the Niners are going to be in the mix. It'll be interesting to see what happens with them.
1: Yeah, sadly, um, Brady leaving the AFC, there's still a top heavy conference. It's gonna be the it's gonna be the Chiefs, or it's you know, it's, just, it's going to be one or two you know teams. It's, it's yeah, it's it's not a wide open race like it is on the in the NFC side. It's it's not a gauntlet like the uh like the NFC is. So um, you know, Brady's come over to the tougher conference and things like that. And, you know, I always thought that was gonna be his poison pill and why he was in the Super Bowl every year is because A, the Patriots are a great football team, but they were also in the weaker conference, so they didn't have the road to hoe. That that's why they were playing a different team in the Super Bowl every single year, because, you know, it was always a new team that was going to emerge. Very few repeats uh, in the NFC. So, um, you know, but he comes over in his first year, he wins it all. Like, well, I'm done arguing against Brady, not being the greatest of all time. I, I can't win that argument anymore because, uh, he did it without Belichick and did it his first year without him or anything like that. Didn't need a buffer year or anything. Just came in won the damn thing right off the bat. So that conversation is over with, but we got
2: uh, some more avocado ice cream. Really,
1: The, the <laughs> takeaway that's, yeah. His diet is disgusting. I I don't, it's like, okay, more power to you, man. If that's working for you, knock yourself out. But um, let's take a look at the schedule as we wrap things up here. Uh, Oscar, we got, uh, you're on the road the first two weeks of the year at Detroit, uh, at Philadelphia. So I wonder if that's going to turn into one of those trips where you leave for Detroit and don't come back until you're done with the Eagles.
2: Yeah, it, it is probably going to be another one of those, you know, staying out on the on the East Coast, which will be good. I mean, the Niners always seem to do well with those types of trips, but it's going to be, I think, an easier schedule than people think on paper just yeah. because of the, the fourth place schedule, which determines some of your opponents. I think the Niners do well against the Rams. You know, they, they do reasonably OK against the the Seattle Seahawks and, and Arizona actually is the team that had their number last year. Yeah. Yeah. And so I do think that, you know, within their division, they've got a fighting chance. I think outside their division, those first couple of games, you know, they, they are very winnable games. I mean, Detroit and Philly yeah. are not scaring anyone right now. No. Jared Goff is allergic to the 49ers, so he's now going to be able to do that in the Motor City. And Philadelphia, despite, you know, whatever they've done to get better, they're still the Eagles and they're still operating under a bit of a gun, right? It's not really till you get to the meat of the schedule. And the meat really starts week three. Packers, maybe the, Seahawks, the Colts, right? That's that's where you start to get a little bit of fun, unless, of course, we're talking about Jordan Love as the quarterback right. of the Green Bay, in exactly. which case that that gets a little easier. But right, yeah, the, the Bears at Week Eight is going to be an interesting turning point for the Niners mm-hmm. um, because they they could be going into Week Eight if they play their schedule right. They're looking at like maybe four or five wins, mm-hmm. you know. So if they come in five and three against the bears uh, or five and two or whatever the case may be that, that can be a really interesting game going, you know, going against fields, going against the, the bears and, and seeing what happens as the turning point, as you go into the kind of the back half of the season.
1: Yeah. I mean the, the first uh, five games you have, you're at Detroit at Philly home on Sunday night against green Bay home for the Seahawks. And then at Arizona before a week six by which of the teams that I've talked to, you're the fourth uh, opponent preview show that we've done. That's the earliest bye week I've seen for anybody up to this point. It is the earliest that you can have a bye. Is that right? Okay. Well, that's a good thing because the Bears were like week four, week five the last couple of years. Like, that sucked. I don't I don't want to see that anymore. So if week six is the earliest, that's that's plenty. That's, sure. maybe, maybe it's week five. Maybe I'm misremembering,
2: but I thought week six was like the earliest that you could have the, the bye weeks.
1: But- so you'll have five under your belt before the bye, and then you come back to Sunday Night Football again. With the Colts before going to Chicago on Halloween uh, to play the Bears Week Eight, so you have seven game or six games under your belt before Chicago with the bye, and yep. then home for Arizona, home on Monday night with the Rams at Jacksonville, so you get to see Trevor Lawrence up close um, if he's still standing at that point, and <laughs> <laughs> home for the Vikings, then three out of the next four on the road at Seattle on Sunday night. At Cincinnati, there's your uh, fourth-place, same-place opponent from the AFC and home for Atlanta before uh, Julio Jones and uh, the Titans. on. Uh, is it the last Thursday night game of the year, Week 16, uh, against Tennessee? I mean, that's the latest Thursday night game I've also seen so far.
2: It is, yeah. And I did through the, the power of the Google search confirmed that they pushed the early weeks, uh the the bye to week six. Last mm. year the earliest
1: you could do was week like five. Right but
2: because of the uh the extra game this season they pushed it to, to week six. So week six is indeed the earliest you can have the bye this season.
1: So just before Christmas, you got the Thursday night game against Tennessee and then finish out in twenty twenty two, January second against the Texans at home at LA, week eighteen to wrap up the uh, season, so you have the AFC South and the NFC North, obviously, uh, as your opponents uh, this year. Outside of the AFC West, in your same, your same place, guys. Like you said, on paper, it's not the scariest schedule I've seen. And also, the fourth place finish didn't hurt because you get you get the Bengals, you get the Falcons, you know, you get uh, Philadelphia uh, and things like that. So the you know those were those are lucky draws for a team looking to bounce back. Yeah, I mean, it really is. It, it is
2: it is a schedule that you can see the Niners going into the playoffs with. I mean, the, sure. I think the win total for the Niners is 10, you know, and so it's, it's weird because it's 10 and 7, which right. is going to take gonna, some getting used t- yeah, to. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But but I do think that th- this is a 10-win roster, and I think that, you know, Garoppolo, I think Gar- one of two things is going to happen with Garoppolo. He's going to play well, and he's going to play himself into, hopefully, someone paying a first-round pick to trade for him. and Or he plays not great, and we see Trey Lance, you know, and so it, it ends up it ends up with him, you know, doing well. And and if he's doing well, then the Niners are marching towards the playoffs and it's fine because uh, I do think that Garoppolo is good enough to be, uh, you know, to take this team to the playoffs. I do think that long term they do need something more at quarterback. And so I could see, you know, I think the over under right now is like, does he come back after the bye? Does he play week seven or is that the beginning of the Trey Lance era? I, I'm not sure. I don't know, but. This is a schedule that does play favorably to the 49ers. It's, you know, that it's a roster that is healthy. If they can stay healthy, I think they do have a, you know, top seven, top eight roster in the NFC at least. Uh, And so this this is a playoff team. It's absolutely a playoff team. And and I think that it'll be it'll be an interesting week eight matchup against the Bears to see where they're at. It's the GPS game, right? Let's see where you're at. It's the
1: direction game. There you go. I like that. I've never heard that one before. That's good. I like that. The GPS game. Let's see where you're at uh, kind of thing. But, you know, you're absolutely right. And and what you were describing is also kind of the same situation with the Bears. Andy Dalton, as far as Matt Nagy is concerned, is our day one starter. But that's about all he's guaranteed right now because if it starts to go off the rails and, and Justin Fields continues to dazzle uh, in practice and in training camp as he has in OTAs thus far, They're going to have a hard time keeping him off the field. And, you know, just not only just because he's doing it off on the field, but, you know, Bear fans are going to be crying for it. The first incomplete pass, Andy Dalton tosses into the dirt. They're going to be screaming for number one to take the field. That's just how, you know, how excited the Bear fans are about this kid being our quarterback and how unhappy we are that, that Andy Dalton was who we settled for after missing out on Russell Wilson. It's, oh, God, I can't even tell you. But anyway... Um, but I feel similarly about our two teams is that if our defense, and that's a big if, actually, if our defense can step up because they faltered at the end of last year. They were actually our Achilles heel, not our offense. It was our defense that was killing us at the end of the last season. If they can return to form, if Sean Desai bringing some more of that Vic Fangio magic back with him can revitalize the the defense with Andy Dalton at quarterback with his you know veteran savvy and things like that. I think the Bears can be an, a 9-win team, maybe 10, uh if things fall right uh for us and and like you said, 10 and 7 should be good enough to get somebody in the playoffs this year, or maybe at least contend for that 7th seed again to see what uh to see how that's all going to uh to shake out and then the silver lining if Dan- Andy Dalton doesn't play well is that, you know, we're going to see Justin Fields sooner rather than later. So I'd, I don't think any Bear fan as far as 2021 concerned isn't Really hung up on the on the wins and losses at this point. Obviously, we want to see our team win, but watching them lose means that, you know, Justin Fields is probably going to get his shot uh, sooner rather than later.
2: I know NFL coaches are funny animals, and, and they like to go with what they know as opposed to go with maybe what's staring them in the face. Yeah. That's you know, why they, they don't go on fourth down as often as they should, and it's why they make really conservative calls, and, and there's a whole thing. But you've got to think to yourself, though, that if Fields can't beat out Andy Dalton... <laughs> Like that's that's a problem, and like I, I know that it, I, I think the same thing about Lance. If Lance can't beat out Jimmy Garoppolo, I, I, I'm i already beginning to worry a little bit. Yeah, it's a little different because you know you, you've you got a, a quarterback that's taking your team to the Super Bowl. But and I do think that Shanahan's a little on the conservative side. But man, if you spend that capital for that pick, you're hoping that he's that it's unquestionably he is the starter. I mean the the, the Seahawks did it with Russell Wilson. They drafted Russell Wilson in the third round. Yeah. Uh, and, and you, they, they had just signed Matt Flynn. Right. And they signed Matt Flynn to a big money contract. And then it was like, no, you know what? It's, it, this guy's actually pretty good. Let's go ahead and start this guy. And, and the rest is history. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I do think there is value in playing them early, getting them the experience, letting them see the defenses, figure things out. Um, I don't know. Everyone talks about the Mahomes model. And that sounds great in theory. Yeah. But you can not tell me that if Mahomes didn't play for Alex Smith that year, that he wouldn't have taken him to the playoffs, too.
1: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I thought Pete Carroll was outside of his mind when the rumor started flying that Wilson was out playing Matt Flynn in training camp and that he was likely to be the, f- the starter week one. I was like, a third round pick over this $8 million a year quarterback? Are you insane? But yeah, apparently he's crazy like a fox because they, <laughs> you know, had crazy success with that kid in 2013. They're winning the Super Bowl. You know, they go to the Super Bowl year two with Wilson and win, win the Super Bowl against the, the Broncos there in New York. So, yeah, he's crazy all right. So, you know, but I just you, – you can't deny what's there. And I as, as the closer we get to training camp, the closer we get to the preseason, you see the, you know, the that, that rock-hard facade of Andy Dalton's our day one starter starting to get chiseled at. It's starting to weaken because I saw a, a headline the other day that um, – we're not going to keep him off the field just for, you know, just for, you know, Dalton's sake or just for, for you know, for shits and giggles uh, or whatever. It's like if, if Fields is, is the best quarterback on the team, he's going to play, which means, you know, <laughs> let Andy Dalton have a Mike Glennon-type performance in the first preseason game, and Justin Fields comes out and lights up the entire stadium, that it's, you might see Justin Fields starting the preseason game two, and Andy Dalton being a $10 million a year backup quarterback. Yeah, dude, let let, let him play. That's what, we're, that's what we're here to see.
2: Let him yes, play. Let him yeah. get the experience. Got to do it. You can I'm only learn via VR headsets for so long. Right. <laughs> you got to play in the real game. And, you know, uh, take care of Marquise Goodwin too. Marquise Goodwin. Yeah. Former, former Texas Longhorn. I went to Texas. So, uh, you know, he's he's got a soft spot in my heart. He's a, he's a, he's a good guy. Uh, he, I think he, he got himself some trouble with some stupid comments recently, mm. but, um, but yeah, but I think he's a, he's, he's, I think all around a good guy. So take care of him. He's a good speedster and tra- and dude Fields throws a good deep ball. So it's, it's a match. I can't heavy.
1: wait to see it, man. I really, I can't wait to see it after, after, you know, after years of, of watching Trubisky sail it over people's heads or throw it in a different zip code from where the receiver is actually running. And, things like that. It's like Trubisky, for for all that he could do, that was one thing that was really, really missing uh, in his repertoire was was his deep ball. Uh, and it just, you know, so many times it was missed, and, and a lot of times guys were wide open, too. You know, I can't tell you how many touchdowns Taylor Gabriel would have had in 2018 if Trubisky could put it where it needed to be. Because there was many times he's running naked down the seam, nobody in, in, in the ballpark, and he just sails it, 10 yards over his head. It was like, doesn't Taylor Gabriel run like a 3 9 40? How are you overthrowing him like that? But uh, over and over again, it made me insane. So, and it, uh, it was like, well, God love him. That's not what he does, I guess. But, you know, it didn't stop Nagy from trying over and over again. But, uh, you know, he makes the – and that was the thing with Trubisky as well. He made the right read but couldn't make the right throw. Or he made the, the, the you know, he made the, the, the right throw but it was a bad read. You know, like it was a great throw, but he threw it into traffic. And thanks to Alan Robinson, he was able to wrestle it from somebody else. He shouldn't have thrown it there, but he made a hell of a throw that, uh, you know, that he put it exactly where it needed to be because a centimeter to the right or the left, he gets picked off uh, kind of thing. It was such a crapshoot watching him throw the ball sometimes. I I leave you with this. Justin (laughs) Fields
2: in the PFF era, they've been tracking quarterback since you know
1: 2015,
2: Mm -hmm. is the most accurate passer in college PFF has ever tracked. He, when you look at his graph of like his two year completion percentage over expectation, he is in the like upper right hand quadrant all by himself <laughs> of players that have not just done it one year, but did it two years back to back and completion percentage over expectation is how accurate you are above expectation mm-hmm. is generally pretty sticky when it comes to the NFL. In other words, if you're accurate in college, chances are you're going to be accurate in the NFL. There's a correlation there that is stronger than a couple of other uh, than the signal from a couple of other stats. So he, I mean, the dude's bonkers. It, he is incredibly accurate. And if you're worried about overthrowing Taylor Gabriel or overthrowing Marquise Goodwin uh, or having to make Allen Robinson make contested catches. I think Justin Fields is going to ease your worries, ease your pain a little bit on Sundays.
1: Yeah, that's why I actually preferred Russell Wilson over Deshaun Watson because, like, Russell Wilson can thread a needle. You know, like, uh, I just, like, some of the throws that he's made to Tyler Lockett over the years, just insane. The angles that he's able to make the ball fall in, things like that. I'm looking forward to maybe Justin Fields doing a few uh, things like that, just putting it where, like, how the hell did he get that ball in there like that? I just can't wait to see throws like that. It's going to be fun, and hopefully it's Trey Lance. That beats Justin Fields in week eight. uh, It'll be, it'll be fun. (laughs) I look forward to it. And I look forward to having you on to preview that game, uh, ahead of the, uh, Halloween matchup between our two beloved squads. Uh, you know, a very interesting mid season matchup. The bears bye week comes a couple of weeks after the game, uh, with San Francisco, uh, week number 10, I think is our bye week. So we have you. And then we have the, I think we have a Monday night game against the Steelers before we go on the bye. So, uh, be an interesting stretch that we're in the middle of by the time you guys uh come to town and like you I'm very interested to see who our quarterbacks are going to be going into that into that week 8 matchup because like you said that's kind of the sweet spot as to where you know where are we going to be the GPS game as you called it you know are we going to be at a point where Garoppolo's kind of worn out his welcome we're going to hand things over to Lance and and the same thing for for Dalton and and, and um Justin Fields you know, and, uh, or, or will injury put Trey Lance on the field? That's not a, out of, out of the realm of possibility either. No, absolutely not.
2: I mean, that's one of the reasons that, that the, the Niners are, I think a little, I mean, fed up trouble the wrong term, but it's why they were comfortable making a move like this is because you, know, you had one season of Garoppolo, really like mm-hmm. one, one season in five games, everything yeah. else he's been, he's, he's missed. So yeah, absolutely.
1: All right. Well, Oscar, I really appreciate you taking out the time, man. A uh, great conversation, a lot of good insight on the, uh, the Niners, like I said, we look forward to having you back on uh, to preview uh, the game. What you tell everybody where we can uh, catch the bitter rivals. And uh, what's the deal with the Patreon? I've been hearing about that a lot. And uh, as, as deep as I am into this podcast game, I am a total novice when it comes to the Patreon thing.
2: So the the Patreon is basically a way for our listeners to support us without, you know, kind of working through the ad-based model, right? Cuz with most podcasts you download an episode, you know, you get that that ad revenue that, and we, you know we read ads or we play ads or whatever. Well, with Patreon is basically you got you get people that we what they what we do is they have we have people buy us a beer. It's like pay us 5 bucks, buy us a beer. And we put out content on the Patreon. Mm-hmm. For us, it's scouting videos and videos that are sometimes difficult to get into the scheme that we're talking about in a in a podcast. Sure, you need you need the pictures, you need the images, right? It's it, football is a visual thing, and so what we've been doing over the last two years is we've been putting out um, you know like turning points for game breakdowns or interesting scheme things that we've noticed um, or scouting reports. So we've got a scouting report on Trey Sermon. We've got one on. Um, uh, Aaron Banks, who's the guard the Niners drafted. We have one on Trey Lance. We actually have one on all of the quarterbacks because when we were drafting one, I'll, I'll send you the Fields one. Cool. We did because we've got some, some All-22 uh, on there as well um, that you know kind of breaking down why we think he's good, why we thought he would be a good fit for the Niners. So I'll, I'll send that your way. But yeah, but that's awesome. basically a way for our listeners to support us, get some additional content in addition to the podcast.
1: Awesome. And uh, where can we find you online? What's your Twitter handle? On the
2: Twitters, man, it's at Better Rivals. B E T T E R Rivals. Better
1: Rivals. Not bitter Rivals. Better.
2: Let's be better. Let's be better Rivals. Let's be smarter about how we talk about football.
1: All right. Well, I appreciate the time, Oscar. Thanks so much. We look forward to talking to you again real soon. Can't wait. (laughs) As always, want to thank our guest, Oscar Aparicio, from the Better Rivals podcast for joining us. Uh, looking forward to having him uh, back on the show in the fall, uh, in October, to preview the Week 8 matchup between the Bears and the 49ers in Soldier Field on Halloween. So uh, that should be an interesting time. We should have a pretty good understanding of uh, who our teams are at that point uh, in the season. You know. And as Oscar and I were kind of uh, asking each other, who, what's the quarterback matchup going to be? In that one. Will it be Garoppolo versus Dalton? Will it be Fields versus uh Lance? Will it be Lance versus Dalton? Will it be Dalton versus uh Field? I mean, who knows? We'll uh we'll have to wait and see how it all shakes out. And um, you know, it'll be interesting to see if it is Fields versus Lance, is that a good thing? You know, did did our rookies just outdo the veterans in practice and earn their way onto the field? or did the veterans just crap to bed and we got to give the rookies a chance to see if maybe get some kind of spark in in the offense uh, kind of thing It'll be interesting to, to see what the answers to all those questions will be or will injuries play a factor I mean that's definitely something that's out there for Garoppolo he's been in uh, San Francisco for three seasons and he's been banged up for all three of them I don't think I don't think he missed a significant portion of 2019 but I do think he missed uh, a game or two while the 49ers were on their run he missed a bunch last year and he missed all but three games in his first year in 2018 or his first full season I should say because he went there halfway through the 2017 season but, uh, you know, uh, he game three, he blows out his ACL against the, uh, the Chiefs, I believe, uh, of all people, and uh, misses the rest of the season. The 49ers struggle. They get the number two pick in the draft. They pick Bosa, and they're off and running in 2019. They go on a run 13-3, and three, win the NFC, and go to the Super Bowl. Um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. You know, will, will injuries play a factor into who the quarterbacks are? Will, will Justin Fields just outplay Andy Dalton and, and Nagy and pay and company can't keep him off the field anymore. Week eight would be a good time for us to find out what the answers to those questions uh, are. So we look forward to having him back on then to, uh, to see what the crystal ball is telling us uh, at that point and, and what the outlook for each franchise looks like if both of our rookie quarterbacks are on the field at that point. So, Um, But that's going to close the book on the 49ers. Next up, we have the Arizona Cardinals who were nipping at our heels. We were going back and forth with them for that seventh and final playoff spot in the NFC. And in the end, we took it. That's with the way we played her against the Saints. It's like, yeah, I could have watched the Cardinals lose like that. I would prefer not to have seen the Bears. Uh, get their asses handed to them by the Saints like that, and our and our and our touchdown was a garbage walk off touchdown at the end. Otherwise, the Saints beat us twenty one to three, not twenty one to nine. Let's be honest. But uh, anyway, to be Jess Root from the Rise Up See Red podcast, and if you guys remember, my OGs remember Jess Root. Very first guest I ever had uh, on the show when I finally started doing interviews back in 2015. So we come full circle with Jess. He comes back on the show to help us preview the 2021 Arizona Cardinals. And then we'll follow up with him next with next uh, Monday, next Monday on the 21st will be uh, Sosa K from Locked On Rams will help us preview the LA Rams, and then uh, Michael Sean Duggar from The Athletic in Seattle will help us preview the Seahawks, and then we'll close the book on the NFC West, move on to the AFC North where we will defend our crown for the third time because we've are we swept that division twice in 2013, again in 2017. Let's see if we can do it again in 2021. It's going to be a much tougher battle this time around. But uh, we've got all the guests lined up for the four teams in that division uh, as well, and then we'll close out things with the NFC North and our beloved Chicago Bears. So the ball continues to roll, and with each episode that comes out, we are one step closer to training camp the preseason and the 2021 regular season, and I am very excited about it, and have been since draft weekend when we got Fields and and uh, Tevin Jenkins, and like now we have an outlook, and it didn't cost us, we didn't mortgage our future to do it. I'm so excited, can't wait to get started. So, anyway, guys, that is going to do it for this first NFC West opponent preview. We'll see you back here on Thursday, where to be me and Jess Root previewing the Cardinals, and until then. My name is Larry D, and this has been the Bears Talk Underground.